Bonjour tout le monde, c'est Radio Brews News, thanks to Cryer Malt. My name's Pierre Mitchum, and uh, I'm back from holidays, and I'm welcoming all of you back. Good to be back, and uh, a special hello and a thank you for keeping the saddle warm. Would you please welcome Matt Kierkegaard and James Atkinson. G'day, boys. Thank you, Prof. Welcome back. You've come back fluent in French, I see. No. No, no, not really. No, I, uh, I did kind of re program myself to remember most of the French and you do pick up a little bit sort of as you go along the way but New Caledonia for those who don't know is is bilingual uh, official languages are both English and French so if they kind of pick you as somebody who's struggling a little bit in French they'll just answer you in English just to sort of help you out but um, no I did, did get to use a little bit of it which was good but mainly uh, beer and and restaurant French was was pretty good the rest uh, c'est terrible. <laughs> What's the beer scene like there? Yeah, very briefly, she's pretty dire. Um, it's uh, so there's number one, which is the the beer of New Caledonia, which is it's French for VB, um, but that's sort of pretty popular and available everywhere. But the um, the interesting thing is that they do have uh, a couple of breweries on the island, and remembering New Caledonia is only about 400 kilometres long and about 20 kilometres wide, so it's it's um, but it is the, of the South Pacific Islands, it's the most industrialised apparently. So they do do a little bit there. Um, they have a couple of breweries through which they brew um, Cronenberg, but I didn't find it on tap. It was interesting. Um, number one, and I'm just in the in the process of doing a little bit of research into finding out who owns who and all that sort of thing, because I'm guessing that not, uh, none of them are, um, apart from the little microbrewery I went to, none of them were were independent or family owned or um, or anything like that. Um, so number one and Manta. They seem to to make most of the beer there. They're pretty big on their Citron or Zest, which is the uh, you know a Radler sort of beer, which I guess for the for the climate makes a bit of sense. Um, and then Havana, which on the appearance, I can't find anything out about it at the moment. Uh, seems to be a, a small smaller brewery that just makes a nice amber sort of lager. Um, but then the um, the Cronenberg, due respect to to Coopers, but there was quite a different taste. So I don't know whether the the Cronenberg that's brewed. Uh, in New Caledonia for the New Caledonians um, is a slightly different recipe or just that, um, you know, it, it's uh, drinking it at the source uh, just just tasted quite different. It was it was uh, actually quite pleasant. Uh, and then, um, as I say, Les le, le le Trois Brasseurs, or the, the Three Brewers, uh, got to meet Maxim, who's the one brewer, and it's a, a restaurant bar microbrewery. In New Caledonia, just uh, oh, probably about fifteen-minute drive or ten-minute drive from um, from Numea, and um, just around the corner from where we're staying, and really lovely. Uh, four beers: a blonde, a white, or a wit, uh, an amber, and a brown. And then they have a, a seasonal, which uh, this month was to celebrate Oktoberfest. Was uh, uh, a Munich-style uh, darker sort of lager. Um, really nice, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's clearly there's there's not a lot of of choice in New Caledonia when it comes to beer, so it's good to be home. So, Prof, when you say that there was named the three brewers, were there actually three brewers, or was that just a clever name? Yeah, no, well, I guess you know it's the rule of three because it just it looked better with you know the, the picture of you know three guys uh, holding up a tray with a beer on it is their is their logo, um, but they only have the one brewer who is a, a, a Maxim is a, a, a Frenchman. Um, there's a lot of obviously New Caledonia being a French colony or a French uh, state. Um, you do get quite a few of the, uh, particularly in, in management or maitre d' or ownership, um, they seem to be French people who have come over. And, and why wouldn't you? Because it's, you know, just it's fairly nice surroundings and very 
tropical and uh, lovely weather all year round. So a lot of them come over and work there, and then the locals will sort of pick up the, um, uh, I guess, you know, the, 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 the worker sort of jobs. Um, so Maxim had come over. I'm not sure where he was from. His My French was better than his English, so our conversation was fairly brief to be perfectly Francis. And, um, but he was yeah, lovely guy, walked me through the brewery and uh, showed me the brew house. Uh, but yeah, he's a Frenchman who's, who's gone over there to work basically. But there was only, he, he was the one brewer, um, but the name of the place was The Three Brewers. Fair enough. And uh, mate, did you keep up with the news while you were away? No, mate, what happened? Four Pines popped up on my, uh, no, I did, I did catch up. Obviously I listened to a little bit of uh, Radio Brews news when I could get uh, decent uh, internet interesting story there and uh our, i suppose we should throw to our um the story about our our sponsor for radio brews news cryo malt being purchased by barrett burston yeah um big news and we're still trying to find out a little bit more about it david uh sent me an email on friday saying that it was going through and that he'd give me a call but i presume that he got uh held up so still wait i still hadn't had a chance to uh catch up with him to find out a little bit more what it means um you know, sale price, and uh, obviously, despite him being a great supporter of the show, we're not going to let that slide. And uh, you know, ask the same sort of questions that we uh, would ask anyone in that situation. So, as far as Radio Brews News and his uh, sponsorship thereof, uh, that's not going to affect our independence, is it? He says, segueing nicely into the story about independence. <laughs> I don't know what the upshot is. Presumably, they're going to. Uh, hopefully, they're going to keep supporting us. Uh, um, but we'll we'll wait and see. Um, you know. Appreciate David's support. I mean, David is one of those really great contributors to the industry. Um, obviously, as the, the largest supplier of malt products in uh, Australasia, um, you know, he, he's a firm believer in the rising tide floats all boats. So, uh, and he's he's got a nice big boat to float on that as well. So, but he's always been a great supporter of um, the, the the craft brewing industry. A um, lot more. Maltsters coming into the market these days, lots of suppliers, so it's a very dynamic industry. Uh, but yeah, and I'd love to find out a little bit more about his decision to sell and what it means and what it will enable him to do. Yeah, watch this space. And what were your thoughts on Four Pines when you when you heard about it? Surprise, uh, upset, gnashing of teeth? Uh, probably none and all of the above. Um, I don't think it came as particularly a surprise. And and having spoken to Jaron quite a bit, you know, we've, we we um, chat reasonably uh, infrequently but when we do it's for quite a long time and we get a bit in depth Uh, and not that he sort of gave anything away but um, I I guess that a business of that size and a brand that has has grown from from nothing to be a national brand and very highly recognized and and we talk about this quite often Matt that you know taps at the uh, our stand at the Ecker people will come and go oh yeah I'll have a four pines they don't say I'll have a Kolsch or I'll have a pale ale or whatever. they don't even know what's what's coming out of that tap that but but there's an instant recognition of that brand whereas some of the other newer brands are perhaps a bit you know oh no I won't go for those I'll go straight for the one I recognize so they've certainly done really well with that and I guess if you liken it to Mountain Goat you know there's been a lot of hard work put in by a lot of people over a long time to get it to that point if you want to then take it to the next level um, and perhaps, I don't know, become an international brand or become a bigger national brand, do you kind of need to do all that hard work all over again? Or do you say we, you know, uh, cash in on the, all the hard work that we've done and, and I guess, secure our futures for, for us, our families, our stakeholders, our staff, whoever, and then allow the scope and size of the bigger company to take your 
your brand to the to the next level and and you i guess you know in handing over stewardship of of such um do you say you know a salute well done good luck to you and uh, that's the thing. And then, yeah, I mean, look, it's interesting. It was interesting to see um, on Facebook uh, over the weekend, um, there was a lot of discussion about independence and what it means. And, you know, there were a couple of people who probably work for, for, for breweries um, that aren't independent, that uh, are big breweries. Of, and, and we've seen in the States, um, the craft brewers have been taken over by AB and Bev over there, have really come out scornful, I guess is the word, um, of people who get upset about independence, um, even though a lot of them establish their brands on the back of being independent. And even someone like uh, Four Pines, you know, Jaron said in our chat that he was changing his perception about what independence means and he thought long and hard about it. But, you know, when you go back and look at their branding, a big part of their um, branding was family owned and you saw family owned written everywhere. And, you know, at, at some level it matters. So, you know, I'd I just had a bit of a sort of weigh in on on a Facebook post um, because I don't think to say that independence matters is to automatically ship can um, non-independent beer. Um, it's not a binary thing. One isn't good and the other bad. They can both be good. And as you said, Prof, you know, Four Pines, it's it's been a brand that has grown uh, quite strongly. Um, you wonder how much further it could grow without being, um, you know, if, you, if you've created something, you want to see it continue to grow. And would Four Pines be able to keep getting that growth if, if they didn't sell out? Um, and that's fine. But the flip side is I don't think that you can, whilst independence isn't necessarily a guarantee of quality, independence doesn't necessarily mean anything other than it means a vibrant, dynamic and interesting uh, beer scene in the future. Um, so yeah, you know, it's a weight in. Look, you know, when 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 you do leave any industry to two or three big players, you do see a regression towards the average or a regression towards the mean, um, where they stop taking chances because they play in a big space. Um, we've talked on the podcast before. Uh, Jamie Fox, when he was at Matilda Bay, he was explaining to me that you know, when when you're a big brewing company, you can't. You know, you've got big hands. You can't pick up the the, the little bits and pieces. Um, and we see that. And the other thing is that it's the small independent um, and local craft breweries that have created the excitement for beer that we're seeing that has made these the, this brewery growth possible. So yeah, so I, I don't get head up too much about someone like uh, Four Pines selling. It's it, it's great for them. It doesn't change the beer or anything like that. But at the same time, you know, Prof, you and I have talked in the past, have a natural bias um towards buying beers um from small independent breweries because that's the best way to you know in, invest in the future that i want to see in craft beer yeah and um i'd like to get james's thoughts on this thought that i've i've had is that i think back to matilda bay and people who were raving about fat yak early on and and, and a lot of them got their start on that and then they move away from it uh they started on mountain goat and then they kind of move away from it because, oh, you know, I've, I've had that now and that's been around for a long while. I want to try whatever's new. And remembering that, you know, it's it, we're talking about 2 or 3% of the of the market. Um, I think a lot of people are the same with, with Four Pines. You go, oh, okay, I've, I've been there and I've done that. Now what's, you know, what's little or what's funky or what's new or what's barrel-aged or kettle soured or whatever it might be. So for, for those brands, once they get to a certain point, they've sort of done what they can, I guess, in, in the 3% space. They really need to then... In order to to stay relevant and and sustainable, they need to move into that ninety seven percent who are drinking 
Great Northern or or drinking Forex Gold or or drinking Big Chook Piss or you know whatever the the the, the state you know mainstream brands are. James, do you find that in in the Sydney side of things, there's there's perhaps been that because uh, I guess you're a bit closer to for, to Four Pines, that attitude that well yeah they're great and they've been really good, but I don't drink them as much anymore because there's other newer exciting stuff. There is there is a bit of negativity around the Four Pines brand um, that predates you know th- this announcement, particularly around the uh, you know among the very loud but vocal minority of you know the beer geek demographic, if you want to call them that. Um, I, I've never fully understood why, because I've always found the you know the core range of beers you know they're always reliable and they're great beers and they're sessionable. Uh, maybe I've answered my own question as to why beer geeks don't like them. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I suppose, like, um, you know, you, you do see on Facebook that they are one of those brands that sort of cop a hard time from the, you know, the the beer drinkers that see themselves as being too sophisticated for Stone and Wood Pacific Ale or Four Pines Culture or, or whatever it is. And there certainly was a lot of that that sort of commentary when the announcement um, was made was oh well you know I don't drink them anyway they're, they're beer shit blah 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 um, not obviously not having taken any notice of how consistent their records been in various different beer awards over the years I mean you know the number of times yeah, on. come out champion in recent years uh, they're always there or thereabouts um, is pretty incredible I mean yeah you, you'll sort of also hear, hear these same types of people say I only drink the Kellador. You know, only drink the special release beers when they come out and, and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, look, absolutely. I think I think there are those people out there, but um, obviously it just, um, you know, reaffirms the fact that they're a very small demographic given the sorts of volumes that we know that Four Pines was doing at the time of the buyout. Yeah, I just wonder, uh, one of my favourite pieces of advertising, I think, is the, is for the Kolsch, which is the uh, handcrafted, not handscrafted, I wonder now, Jaron, whether you're going to need to change that, mate. Uh, AB InBev, the American side of things, maybe you have to go. It's now Hank crafted, not hands crafted. <laughs> like that? I just thought that up. <laughs> or Hank, because you've got the Belgian side of things as well. So Hank, maybe. Hank crafted. Uh, Matt, ind- independence. <laughs> yeah, I'll keep working on that one. That's a work in progress. That was just the first draft. Yeah, Prof, I mean, that's all I really want to say about independence. I think, you know, people do tend to see it as a binary thing that, you know, to say independence matters means that big beer isn't um, or, you know, independence is quality, whereas big beer isn't. And it's just not, you know, this is the, the market that we work in. The reality is that there are, you know, two major retailers. They do a lot of good and they also do a lot of bad. Um, you know, they do a lot of good because they get beer, you know, they are the best distributor of a lot of these beers um, to, you know, right across the country. But at the same time, their long distribution um, channels put pressure on brewers, you know, for longer bottling dates, for, for different uh, bottling practices and, and, and all of that sort of thing. Um, and again, I would, to, to say that I prefer to shop at small independent bottle shops so I now have smaller stock, um, faster distribution and faster turnover, and also, um, you know, curate their list a little bit better. Um, it doesn't mean that I, you, you sort of think that Uncle Dan's or you know, First Choice are bad. And I, I think sometimes that gets lost in the debate, that to, to highlight one doesn't mean to damn the other. Yeah. Hey, Matt, I've got a question for you. Can you yep. taste independence? <laughs> well, that, that's no. No, you can't. Um, but as I said, it's a, you know, it's not about flavour. It's not about quality. It's about other things. Um, 
One thing that you can taste, though, guys, and it's it's something that uh, hopefully it's not a listener who posted this, um, but there was a uh, Facebook post I read. You, know, you guys know how much I love these uh, Facebook um, sites, but there was a post on Facebook talking about somebody had posted a photo of a gusher, a beer, um, something that we've all had when we buy from uh, different bottle shops. And uh, the, the comment on it was apparently ex-brewery, the, the, the brewery in question, is pretty loose with sterilization practices, which has its downsides if the beer has been on a shelf for too long. The upside is that the same issue can result in some favorable conditioning. My experience of the slightly older ex-brand beers is that they taste phenomenal with incidental sourness and funk. I only ever had one I didn't enjoy. Um, what do you guys what, what what do you guys think about that particular train of thought? <laughs> He's talking about infected beer. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I, I I just loved how this managed to make you know incidental sourness, <laughs> you know bad sterilization giving incidental <laughs> sourness as a feature rather than a fault. Yeah, and one one thing that I mean I guess he has he hasn't really. Um hasn't really panned it, has he, by saying that. But one thing that does really piss me off is people on those groups who go online and post a picture of some beer they claim has got a quality issue um, rather than going direct to the brewery and taking it up with them. I, I just It just really annoys me that they would go and potentially do someone's brand damage like that. But and there is an element of one-upmanship about yeah. it. And, you know, Prof, um, Prof highlighted, highlighted one recently where somebody was celebrating two birds – uh, sunset ale um, and had a photograph of a of a bottle of two bird sunset ale when they changed the label more than 12 months ago um, and if he's just bought it at a Dan Murphy's he's tasting something that's not that is going to be so far from its best and yet he was highlighting it as one of the best beers in Australia mm-hmm. want to try the fresh stuff that that's an absolute cracker <laughs> yeah, yeah. Might, might be a bit too bitter for him <laughs> think before you post yeah and, and you know and as James said Rather than share it with your mate shit canning a beer, send it to the brewer and get their feedback. Um, and then, you know, still post it, still share it, let your mates know about it, but say, oh, and this is what the brewer said. And if the brewer denies that there's a, a, a problem, you know, then maybe he deserves to have it. But if, if the brewer, you know, has taken you know, appropriate steps, then probably that's something that you should be uh, sharing in addition to just uh, uh, showing that it's a bad beer. Um, there's probably enough uh, delving into the Facebook groups for one week. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that'll do for now. Any other news, James? Uh, well, Marrickville has um, just celebrated the opening of its 27th brewery over the weekend. Um, <laughs> I've heard of, no, I've maybe, heard of Marrickville. Isn't that the, maybe, the crucible of uh, the heartland of Australian craft beer? <laughs> it's certainly the emerging heartland. Um, no, so maybe not 27, but Source Brewing opened... Um, over the weekend, which is really just a stone's throw down the road from Batch um, and Grifter, although that might be officially Enmore, but it's pretty much Marrickville. You got Black Font a bit further, a uh, bit further down the road into Marrickville. Uh, Wildflower is just around the corner from um, from Source as well. Not too further afield, are Young Henrys and Willie the Boatman. A little bit further away, Staves and Waywood. Um, there's another one soon to open its barrel room, um, an existing brand that will be opening soon, really just across the road from Batch. You've got Filter looking around that area as well. Um, and I just saw when I was looking on the Liquor and Gaming Notice Board today, there's another one, Doolittle Brewery, that's um, put in an application in Marrickville on the 30th of September. So that's fresh off the press. So, wow, I mean, that's a lot of breweries in a very concentrated 
um, space and, you know, as to whether they can all, um, you know, survive. I think it's going to come down a little bit to how much they differentiate themselves from each other. Um, you know, Wildflower opened um, a few months ago and doing these, um, you know, wild ferment beers and, um, you know, kind of pursuing a bit of a different route to market to a lot of the other breweries, just in the sense that Topher, I think, is, um, you know, developed a lot of relationships with sommeliers and more kind of like um, outlets that would be more traditional wine outlets and his beers are packaged in, you know, beautiful bottles that really look good on the dinner table, um, you know, and, and they're just very different beers to what everyone else is making. So I think that's just one example of, you know, the question of whether that there's a space in the market for all of these guys. It's sort of just going to come down to, you know, how good their food is or how different their beer is or, or, or you know, whatever their point of difference is that sets them apart from the other 26 breweries in the area. Yeah, well, we wish them all the best, um, all of them. And uh, I'm going to set myself some homework for next week to check out, uh, find out whether Marrickville is actually an Aboriginal word meaning TARDIS or something like that, because it seems to just be ever-expanding. <laughs> Every time you think, okay, no, sorry, we're full. No, there's another three more. <laughs> We've got more room. One thing, and I have made this point, I think actually, Prof, you and I were chatting about this when the 26 brewery opened a few a few months ago, um, but but Marrickville is a huge suburb. That's one thing to say about it. I mean, it is, it is really, really big, um, and so that could explain part of it, but I mean, it's, look, it's just, it's just got some great, um, you know, industrial areas that are still quite close to residential that make perfect sense for breweries. Yeah, and like uh, Matt, uh, I know, has been to um, – I, I don't know, Matt, if you've been to the old, the original Camden Town Brewery. I have. Yeah, underneath the arches there, and I think there were like, you know, 17 arches or however many arches that had been, you know, uh, Camden Town had started with one and then taken over the next one. When I went and visited, there was a, a bike shop and then the rest had been taken over by Camden Town. I thought, you really wouldn't want to be that bike shop just at the moment <laughs> i reckon it's a similar sort of thing you wouldn't want to be in marrickville and not be a brewery at the moment you'd be you'd be watching your back wouldn't you <laughs> uh but then again look it's one of those things why open another brewery why not open a beer a beer nut factory or you know or a jerky factory or you know hopefully it's not everybody getting into to brewing we've talked about contracts in the past and how you know craft brewers are all well not all but a lot of craft brewers are decrying Contracts. You know, if you're that concerned about contracts, why open a brewery? Why not open a pub and go contract free rather than open a brewery and then complain about the contracts? If it's so easy to be a publican, open a pub um, and do it without contracts and show everyone and then, you know, actually create demand for craft beer rather than just making more craft beer. But there's gold in Thumbthar Hills, Matt. Not if we don't have people creating more demand for it. <laughs> I think we're Not... both. I think we're both in agreement on that. Yeah. Yeah. Or even agreement. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just. I'm just looking up. Just got the dictionary open here. There's no such word as agreement. Oh, um, hey, listen. It's off. It's off. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, have we got any more news to discuss? And do we have? Because uh, uh, I was back in the chair, um, late to the party. I don't know that we've got a, anyone for uh, for beer as a conversation this week. Have we got anything else to cover off before we head over that way? Uh, we, we don't. We've got no, uh, no no cards and letters this week, Prof. We had a couple of lovely ones last week uh, that you you will no doubt catch up on when you catch up on the uh, on the podcast. But no no cards and letters this week. No more news. Sweet. In that case, we might call this a wrap and uh, get let people get back to their mashing in or uh, whatever it is that they're doing while they're listening to us here on Radio Brews News. Thank them for joining us. And uh, Matt, 
Thank you very much for joining us and uh, thanks for looking after it while, we're, while I was away. Thanks for coming back, Prof. And uh, yeah, good good to hear your dulcet tones once more. And uh, hopefully James wasn't out of line with the and we're out for the last two weeks. I haven't got that far through. I'll um, I will be sitting there with the red pen and uh, and giving you some marks on it, James. I'll uh, and uh, and I'll, I'll I'll give you feedback because what I'll do is I'll ring you directly or I'll send you a message or something if if I have an issue with it uh, rather than just go and paste it on uh, on Facebook. Okay. Thanks, Prof. <laughs> no worries, and mate. Thanks very much for uh, for keeping the co-chair uh, seat warm and for uh, keeping mugs um, to a, a fairly strict timeline. You, you did pretty well. It wasn't wasn't too bad at all. Good to know. I, I do my best. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks very much again, and thanks again to Cryer Malt for uh, looking after us here on Radio Brews News. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all again next week, and uh, bye for now. And we're out. That's not too bad. A little bit too much emphasis on the and, and we're out. These Shouldn't pretzels are making me thirsty. We're out. Do you know what? It really doesn't matter. People don't listen. People, they're not listening now. This isn't going to like. We could drop some absolute gold right now, right? And and people wouldn't listen because they've they've already switched off once we say goodbye, haven't you?